Yes, well, here we are. You're on 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and we are actually live in the studio. It, good. Oh, it's afternoon. Good afternoon, Samuel. <laughs> How are you? It is so good to see you actually in the flesh. I am really well, and I am excited to be back in the studio. Now, maybe, I don't know, you, uh, you, you may have... Uh, uh, you may have needed to uh, for another very often we've done this program for the last uh nine months or so mm-hmm. and uh we did sound we were right here in the studio but i was actually away i was in africa far away from here yes exactly and uh we've been having some great fun um Working with the technology that falls in and out in the Congo. We did. <laughs> and, making, and, uh, and trying to keep that connection live and recording all the bits so that the, the, the very clever Ray can put it all together for our program on a, uh, on a Sunday. Yeah. And so yeah. that has, in, in fact, physically been happening for the last nine, nine months. Nine months we've done it's that. Been it's been amazing. It's a spinner, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> it is. And, and, you know, it's interesting with the technologies. We, 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 could, we did make it. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm sure most of our listeners were really blessed by the programs. Uh, but we had those ins and outs. Sometimes the internet cuts out. And, uh, you know, we had to find ways uh, to make it work. Oh, we were working on your phone. We were working on... We, but you. But I think what was great, too, was that you're, you had this... Um, uh, was it called a Telecaster? No, it's a, it's a, a roadcaster. A roadcaster, yeah. Yeah, roadcaster yeah. pro. Like and, a, a little uh, mini radio studio thing that you carried with you. Yeah. It's terrific. And which did a fantastic sound. Mm. And uh, even that long distance there, we're still getting fantastic sound. So it was absolutely incredible. Yeah. It's, it's it was been a lot of fun. Though. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and I know that Melissa wanted me to uh, to remind ourselves that you were, in fact, doing that in the bedroom. So you we had this did. tiny little space yeah, yeah, with yeah. a white wall behind you. <laughs> and, uh, and all our Zoom meetings and all our other bits and pieces we were doing <laughs> were from that small room. So it, it really was pretty amazing. We, turned, we did. We turned our, our bedroom uh there in uh, in in the studio, so you know it was like set it up, and then when you finish the program, you pack it down. You know, it was like it was quite a lot of fun doing it, and uh, also the time difference uh, being that that right now uh, it's night time over there. Yes, and uh, because we're nine nine hours ahead. And so we had to sometimes do these programs when my brain was nearly shutting down. <laughs> well, or, or it was just waking up because uh, mostly it was very early in the morning for you and it was very late at night for me. So, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. that was a that was a bit of fun. But I just thought um, it would be really good today uh, rather than have the sort of Q and A program yeah. that we've had. I will do a and a with you yep. um, and you will just share a little bit about what you've been doing in the last eight, um, nine months yep. um, and, and also we might share the difference between what happens um, in a Western, like what we do in, uh, as Christians in, in the Western country yep. and, and how things are done uh, in an African country and, yep. and you know, the, the, the differences, obviously we've, there's quite a lot of difference, yep. but, um, but, you know, it, it's still faith and it's still about about uh, the work of the gospel and yeah. and everything else. So there's a lot of similarities as well. Yes. Um, so that's the sort of thing that, uh, um, you know, I, I'm interested in, in knowing about. So um, why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown on what was an average day for you? What would you do? In a day, not not the day you had off, but even then, I know you didn't quite have a day off. <laughs> but oh, a day off in the life of a, of a, of pastor. a pastor, exactly. But what uh, you know, what the day in the life of Samuel Chizikedi? What did it look like when you were in the Congo? 
Uh, very interesting uh, because, you know, there is uh, there was a lot of, um, you know, activities from all levels. Um, but from the time where we got there, like just, just to, to remind everybody we left here, uh, it was, I think, the end of August, um, early September. We left here on the 3rd, I think, now, on the 3rd, so it was early September. Um, so on the 3rd, and we arrived there on the 5th, so it takes us two days to get from uh, Australia to, to Congo. And even on my on our way back, uh, we left on the uh, 30th and got here on the 1st of June, so it always takes two days. First day of winter, wasn't that great? <laughs> <laughs> we're like, what? What were we thinking? Uh, <laughs> but it's, you know, being home is, is great. I mean, it's, uh, no, I've got these two homes, you know, one over there and one over here. Uh, but I've actually come to the conclusion that I, I know a lot more, I navigate a lot more uh, being here. Uh, I know what to expect and everything than, than when I'm over there. I've been away from the Congo for a long time. And so average day, you know, you get up morning, you know, start with the early morning service that starts 6 a.m. in the morning. Mm. So 6 a.m. in the morning, uh, service starts. And so I get down to the church and, um, you know, 15-minute prayer. And then I've got about half an hour to 45 minutes of you know, teaching. Um, so I'll preach. And then we finish that. Um, then, you know, people head, head off to work from 7 o'clock. Uh, people can head off uh, to work. And I'll see, I'll stay at the church at the office to see people who are uh, needing to see me. Sometimes it go from 7 all the way to 9. Um, that's, I haven't had a break, breakfast yet then. And then I'll have to rush home and that means you know, where, where we lived was about uh, probably 10-minute walk um, from the church. But if I had come driving, it might take me about half an hour to 40 minutes to get back home just because of the traffic. Mm. And uh, so sometimes I leave the ch- car there at the church and walk uh, to get back home and have breakfast. And when I finish that, then I get back to uh, to the, the church office. And so that starts the day uh, where I can see people throughout. Uh, or um, sometimes I had programs that I was not only at, at the church where I was based, our church there, but I have other programs I'm invited to, was invited, Melissa and I were invited to speak at, you know, countless number of churches. And so some days, some week, weeks has been, at 6 a.m., as I start my first preaching, then I've got another preaching set at 12, and then another preaching set in the evening, and mm. that goes on for weeks. Yeah. So, wow. yeah, yeah. Mm. Very, very, very intense. Um, and in between that, you're ministering to people, counseling people, talking to people, yes. mentoring people, teaching people, yes. training people, yep. all that as well. We, we did we did quite a lot. Um, you know, we did tra- when I got there. We're doing training for the generation of our young, upcoming shepherds. We call them. So, so the way things are set, you get people who are, you know, they're young. They give their life to Christ. They get baptized. They go through the discipleship course. And then they discover that God has laid a calling uh, upon them. And we also discover that. So we start to trend them. So they come through the ranks uh, as uh, shepherds. And then it means they are, you know, ministers, whether it is evangelists, pastor, prophet. Uh, they are, you know, upcoming ministers. And yeah. so we put them through the training. Actually, as I was leaving, 
uh, we were doing the consecration of those guys. So, uh, so I had to spend tons of time uh, doing training and equipment for those guys, equipping for those guys. Uh, you know, took about three months uh, of intensive. And um, then uh, I had looked after a group of pastors that were, you know, entrusted to me uh, to look after before we actually credentialed them. Uh, they're from a different uh, a, a different church, uh, but the pastor they uh, wanted us to skill them up. Yeah. So so we did that, and when the credentialing day came. Uh, we went to to pray uh, pray for them and then sort of credential them in in the ministry, and so it was you know, the intensiveness of the work was just day in and day. My day will start um, from three a.m. Um, and then we'll finish somewhere around nine thirty, uh, ten p.m. So. That that is generally that gives a bit of an idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I know radio isn't visual, uh, but. Uh, Samuel has lost uh, 20 kilos and for those of you that know him he couldn't really afford to lose 20 kilos he is just a stick at the moment so we're <laughs> going to have to, to fatten, you, fatten you up but Melissa Melissa too and I and she I know is. that it's the um, it's not only the fact that sometimes you don't eat um, which <laughs> we've always been uh, reprimanding you about but uh, the other thing is that of that obviously the weather it it's so yeah. um Humid and, and yes. everything else that um, that it's quite easy to lose weight. Sweating so. a lot, <laughs> uh, a lot. for sure. Uh, it's for example, give you an example. On every Sunday, I had some Sundays. I had four services, uh, and uh, you're usually suited up for a, for a service. It's very not as if you're in a up, yeah. little <laughs> short sleeve shirt and shorts. No, no, no. you've got the whole thing going. Culturally, uh, you know, all suited up with ties. So. I would basically get changed in between services because I would just be sweating all the way. Yeah, drenched. Uh, yeah mm. so the first service was at 7 a.m. in the morning uh, from seven uh, 7.30 to 9.30, that's the first service. And then the 10 o'clock till 12.30, that's the second service. And the third service would be from uh, 3.30 to 5.30. And then I'll leave there some days and go to the fourth service which would be outside our campus, somewhere else, and I would speak there again, and it would be probably from 6 to 8. <laughs> so my Sundays were interesting Sundays. Very, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll give you a little bit of a breather at the moment. Uh, we're going to talk about um, what you established when you were there as well, because yep. you did go there for a, a particular purpose. Yep. You're a 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and we are live in the studio. We are indeed. <laughs> With Samuel Chizichetti. And, uh, and as we've been saying, it's, uh, it's really good to, uh, to have you back. Yes. Um, it certainly has been a long time, a little longer than we expected, but it is, you know, yeah. we, we rallied and we hung on and it was all good. Um, no, look, it, 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 um, I mean, I know that, uh, your visit over there has been a blessing to many. Um, now you went over there as one of the things you were wanting to do was set up an English speaking church in your community there. So yes. do you want to talk us through what uh, actually happened in there and, and what's been going on with that particular uh, thing that the Lord s suggested <laughs> or, yeah. or told you to go and do? Yeah, so the Lord had laid on our heart uh, to get down to the Congo and uh, sort of do an extension of what we do here at the Reasonable Christianity uh, because it's, it's probably uh, most of our listeners probably would know or some may, some may not that we're part of a network of a church planting organization. So we plant churches the same way we've, we've planted this uh, outpost here in, in, in Bendigo. And so 
we wanted to extend what we did a reasonable Christianity. Why? Because all our churches, wherever they are, they are adapted to the context of where they are. And so while we have the same theological commitment, uh, the same philosophical commitments, if you will, in terms of the way we present the gospel and, and what we do, uh, most all our churches, wherever they are, because one is being planted in, in, in Canada right now, um, so are adapted to their milieu. Milieu. Yeah, milieu. You know <laughs> what, what milieu is? No, you'll have to tell me. Okay, well, it's a French word, but it gets used in English as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it means their environment. Oh, okay. Uh, milieu, yeah. <laughs> so, um, and so what we do here at Reasonable Christianity, especially the defense of the gospel, uh, is something that, you know, for some time the Lord laid on our heart that we need to set the, the, the defense of the gospel uh, back there. Uh, so we had to go and set up uh, a sort of an, you know, apologetic-centered uh, church. And the best way to do it, uh, at least the way the Lord told us to do it, was to set it in English because we've got all of, all of apologetic materials are in English, of course. Uh, if you ask me to do uh, some apology in French, I'll have to try and find my words, uh, which would be very tricky. Ah, so so there. Um, everybody understands English um, in the Congo. It, it's not a necessarily a second language, though, is it? Or is it? No, no, yeah. it's not a second language. But it's a language that has got a tremendous influence in the Congo, uh, and, and a lot of people now. It's actually quite a. It's a plus if somebody speaks English in the Congo. So even even employment-wise, uh, somebody speaking uh, English has got a you know better chance of getting a better job, uh, just just because they, they have they have the, the language. And of course, the, then so you've got French, and then you've got um, the different uh, areas that have their own. Uh, language, yeah. because you speak a number of them. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So the the way the Congo is laid out is that you've got um, let me see you've got about probably four hundred and fifty tribes, small, small, small tribes, but that you can group them in four major people group. Okay, so that you call the Bangala, the Baluba, the Bakongo, and the Baswahili. So. What I've said there is basically related to languages that are spoken. So four major languages there. You've got a language called Lingala. Uh, you've got the language called Chiluba, which is my mother tongue. That's where I come from. Uh, you've got the Swahili. Uh, and then you've got the Kikongo. Okay. So those are the four major languages. But within those languages, you get small, small, small minor languages within it, within those big four major ones. Uh, for example, you can go to, you know, from the Congo side, you can find the Bantandu, the Bayombes. Uh, they, they speak dialects that will have some little re- relation in regard to the major language, the Kikongo, but it's very different dialects. People who speak those different dialects may also not even understand each other sometimes. Okay. When you go to the Balubas, for example, you've got Chuluba as the major one, but you can get the Babindi, the Bachokwe, uh, you know, uh, and so on and so forth, who are s- within that same people group, but who do not... They, you know, um, uh, you know, the Basal and Pasu, uh, who speak small dialects that are within this big group. And so if you go to the Baswahili, you get the same thing. Yeah, you can get the Barega, the 
you know, Babangu uh, Bangu. So, so they are related people mm. within that Swahili space, and you can go to Katanga side. You get the Balubakat. They are sort of a mix between the Baluba and by, but, but the th- people from Katanga, but they speak Swahili. Oh, okay. And so. And so on and so forth. We go to the Bangala. You can find also so different different people groups as well. I mean, just a bit of of sort of sociology within the Congolese boundaries. Mm. And so that is what you get within the set. Now, uh, generally across the land, Lingala is the most spoken. Okay. Uh, because it used to be the language of the military. So the the government of of the time used to move. You know, soldiers from here to there. So all the soldiers needed to be able to speak one language, and it was the Lingala that it was the language they used to speak. And so, in that sense, those are the languages that are spoken. But the language of education in the Congo is French. Yeah, French is the language of schooling. Okay. And so, anybody who's educated will speak uh, French, uh, and generally, people will understand French. Uh, there will be people who don't really understand French, but it, it tells you that the person has not been to school. Uh, so generally French is widely spoken. And then you add f- English to it. So English has been quite w- within the mix right now. And, um, you know, a lot of people, there are English centers opening up all over the place uh, because you know, most of the things that te- technologies and stuff like that uh, are, we've got a lot of information in English. So when we get on the ground, I uh, was to set up sort of the a stream of apologetics uh, within uh, within the the, uh, the church there, and so we started that. We have a fantastic, vibrant team uh, of you know young people. You know, it's it's interesting. Our, our um, you know church there, the English service is made of young people, uh, a lot of young fellas and young girls and young boys, uh, young young ladies and young men. And uh, very, very passionate. Um, so we started over the last, um, you know, eight months. Uh, we've worked tremendously hard. And um, so when we left there, you know, the, the, the church is going awesome. It's going fantastic. And they are the young people that you used to when we were doing some Zoom worship and, and yes. that sort of stuff when you were doing some teaching. Yes. Yeah. Very, very um Passionate group of uh, of musicians there too, but yes. uh, but a lovely yes. lovely group of people. Yeah. Very very lovely, and yeah. and many of them uh, have have had their diverse background. Some had, had come from South Africa. Some had come from you know uh, you know I think I had few people who had come from the US, and um, but then we had just Congolese who were from Congo mm. who had just learnt English from within the Congo. And we create quite a, a, a sizable community of English-speaking people there, which is quite an interesting thing we did. Uh, because doing evangelism within that particular setting was not as if I get out here on the street and start to talk to people because everybody speaks the language, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was, it's not really like that. So you have to find a selected group of people who uh, are capable of speaking the language. If I was doing evangelism in Lingala, easy. I can get out. Everybody speaks it. Or in French, easy. But in English, I had to find where the English speakers are mm. and then evangelize and then bring them to Christ and to the church. So we did quite a, a number of things that, you know, generally churches in the Congo don't do uh, in our evangelism uh, strategy. Right. 
uh, you know, we set a barbecue up in a, in a garden somewhere, and and so we get to sort of locate where the English speakers are and invite them to a nice barbecue, and we get to mingle that way. Uh, we did gospel cafes, uh, so we we had quite a bit of strategies there to be able to pull people together and bring them into the house of God. Mm. And um, yeah, God has been tremendously. Um, Gracious to us uh, because of the result we saw there, uh, quite quite powerful. Yeah, and and I think the thing that uh, I find interesting too is um, uh, the buildings that you house church in. Yes, um, they're fairly basic, but. Um, when they're decorated and carpeted, like they look amazing. They have beautiful um, high-backed chairs with red velvet, and you've got yes. red carpet, and you've got all this—the draperies and something. So, something that was really quite an ugly building yeah. um, has has been decorated, and you know, the, the Congolese are so colourful. Yes, that's, um, that's true. Yeah, the the, the the decor is very colourful, but they are also very colourful. Yes, you know, um, I know that you had a couple of spectacular suits made for you, <laughs> and uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that you brought them home with you because we want to see them on. Uh, they they absolutely looked amazing. But the women, you know, the the the, the turbans and 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 the the clothing that they wear yeah. is is just really quite uh, quite special. So it is. You, you've got all this stuff going on yeah. within the framework of a almost well. To to my eye, some of those buildings looked a little bit sus, a bit derelict. Yeah. Um, others were not, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, it, it's it's not the sort of thing that we think about when we when yeah, we yeah, think no, about you, a church. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, slowly because uh, when when I got back there, uh, looking at how far we've come, because when we started a church, that church in in the Congo, we were pretty much literally under a mango tree, mm-hmm. literally under a mango tree. And, uh, you know, we were carried chairs. I remember the days when we start the service and then it start to rain. What do you do? Do you stop the service or you carry on? We were bold and we carried on. <laughs> Just put and the umbrella up. No, no umbrella. <laughs> no umbrella Just umbrella wet. Put your Bibles somewhere where they can stay dry and then just sing and praise God in the rain. Get wet and the power of God would hit that place like crazy. It just yeah. So that's how far we've come. Now, generally... Uh, the church uh, have come to now, you know, people do sheds, you know, get a bit shed. It's still quite open. Some areas are open. But as you're saying, there is always within the Congolese spirit the the pursuit of, you know, make make it look, you know, it, you know, the situation might not be the prettiest, but make it look really pretty and nice, colorful. Mm. And so the stage is nicely carpeted and nice, good, even though the building is still quite wide open. Um but you've heard also the the move toward you know enclosed buildings, and it's actually my 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 point of view on 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 all this is that as you enclose the church within the because when we do service back there uh, in, in the in the parish where I was one of our parishes where I was actually a senior pastor set there, um, the the when you do the service, people who are going past hear yeah, you. Yeah, they would. Yeah. They. People stop. Yeah. People stop, and in the middle of praise and worship, you can see people dancing like mad. In the street, and yeah, yeah. So those inside the building, and those who are, you know, on the street watching in, ah. you know, they 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 like, whoa! They, these people are having a lot of fun in there, and we've had situations where people have actually walked in, say, I've been passing here a number of times, and I'm like, now I have to go to church, yeah. and so they came in. Mm. Because it was not enclosed, and what was happening in is not something people don't even know what's going on in there. So 
I think there's an advantage to that, even though it makes a bit of noise with those. <laughs> Maybe we'll see a tent out in Roslyn Park. Yeah, that could be fun. <laughs> Well, here we are in the studios at 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice, and we're going on a little journey through the Congo with yes. Samuel Chizakedi, yeah. who's been there for the last nine months and uh, is back. Yes. So um, we did talk a little bit off air, or we were talking. If anybody actually wants to see Samuel in the flesh, you can go onto his Facebook page because he is streaming this live at yes, the moment. Yes, we're doing it live. So yeah. you, you can uh, log in to just Samuel Chizakedi on Facebook. Yeah. And you will find that we are live. Well, you'll only see him, you won't see me, but that's okay because it's not really about me. <laughs> well, Alita's <laughs> is right in the back there. That's oh, you can to... see yeah, her. That's, there we go. I yeah. can wave to all those people online. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, yeah. So we were talking about um, you did not just stay uh, where you were with, um, in, in the city. Um, yeah. You actually did a, a number of journeys, one particular which was fairly lengthy and, yes. uh, and took a bit of time and did some training. So maybe talk us through uh, some of the other things that you did while you were um, while you were there. Now, one of the, the things that got laid on our heart um, was to provide training for for you know people who are called in the ministry. There's uh, you know when, when you're in the Congo compared to Australia. Uh, it's like, you, you know, of course, totally in a different universe over there. Uh, why? I think that the the passion for serving God, the passion for Christ is really burning in the heart of people over there. You know, it's it's quite, you know, in a way, you know, somebody who's coming from Australia might say, well, these people are over the top or they just simply are, you know, if we think we're too intelligent for that kind of stuff or, you know, these people, have, they don't think. Uh, or, but when you sit down and dig deeply, you find out that, you know, these people actually, you know, do what is at the very core of their faith and the belief in God, uh, which, of course, I defend, uh, you know, tremendously. Yeah. And, um, and so people are passionate about, you know, making sure that the lost are saved and, and they are, you know, serving God with the littlest of means. Uh, mm. when, when you look at, we, we, we went to, so the Lord laid on our hearts to go in the places where people may not have, have the passion to be in the ministry. They have even started, they've gathered people, they preach the gospel from their Bibles as, as far as they can, as much as they can. But they didn't really have uh, the necessary training for, for ministry. So, uh, so uh, t- we took the journey a thousand kilometers inside the Congo uh, with my dear wife and my two kids. And it wasn't a bitumen road, was it? Well, it was. Or part of it? Yeah, part, a big part of it was mm. really not bitumen. No. And uh, I'll be actually doing a little quick PowerPoint uh, at the church uh, tonight uh, to show uh, some some of the journey, some of the road, what it was like. And so we went, and where we went is actually where I grew up. So I spent. 12 to, to, to you know, from 12 years old to 21, uh, I lived into this place called Chikapa. That's where I did my high schooling uh, there. And so we went all the way there. Uh, it was a, a two days journey uh, to do about a thousand kilometers. Um, so, and the first leg of that journey was 12 hours nonstop. Mm. Uh, Oh, my, my kids, God bless them. They're good travelers. 
so good my, thing they sleep in the car and they don't worry they too did, much about and it. Pusha Farah, after a while, she basically, the journey had gone, because we, we started the journey actually at 7 a.m. in the morning, and we got some issues with the car, you know, we had to change vehicle, and by the time we left Kinshasa, which is the capital city where we were, uh, to go all the way to Chikapa, we left around 5 p.m. in the evening, and we got to the other side at 5 a.m. the next day. Wow. Yeah. So 12 hours, but actually our day, yet, we'd basically been under nearly 24 hours, mm. if, if you consider from 8 a.m. Uh, we started. So at some point there, she couldn't take it anymore. She actually spewed in the car. Oh, poor dad. Poor girl. But mm. she was like, no, dad, I'm, I'm fine. And she was just having fun. And, and how old is she? She's four. <laughs> I know. She's she was amazing. only three then. She yeah. hadn't even turned four yet. I know. And um, and so was Matthew. We 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 got there, and um, we we got to the first part of the trip. So we did about five hundred and sixty-five kilometers, uh, the first leg, and we spent about maybe five hours or six hours sleeping, and then we changed vehicle, uh, got a better vehicle, and then from there. Uh, we did the rest of the way, which was about 400 and something kilometers. And so in a day, uh, we got there and we arrived. We were supposed, that trip, we were supposed to start the conference, training conference uh, on a Monday. But we got so delayed and we got there and started on Tuesday. And so we had hundreds of pastors there. Uh, people who had never been trained uh, before, some of them build, you know, organization that gather 100 200 people you know and but they had never been properly trained in the ministry and so we did an intensive for uh, we did an intensive for a week so just a week intensive uh, teaching on the ministry leadership um, which is incredible it's just incredible the the passion and the desire they were like can you come and start at least a, a Bible school here? You know, we, we want to learn because you know they, they just had not had the opportunity to be able to be trained um, in the things that we, t- we trained in terms of being able to explain what ministries, you know, talk about, you know, leadership, you know, you know, church function. How how do you how do you, you know, function uh, within the church, you know, different different areas of church life? And so on and so forth. So it was quite amazing. Um, so the the calling we have there uh, in that space, uh, in the regions, is to go toward those who have been in the ministry but never trained. And whereas in Kinshasa, the calling we had uh, in that particular space is to pick up the upcoming generation of young people who are passionate about the gospel but who have not been mentored properly. Mm. Uh, because from the time we I grew up in in the ministry in the Congo, we used to be a really great mentoring system to be able to train people how to 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 grow up and serve God properly. And when I, when we got there, that had totally broken down. You sort of find this group of young people all are, who are passionate, but no one to mentor them. And so you can see that apart from being able to look after a church, like pastoring a church, opening an English service. You know, training pastors from all the other uh, churches who wanted us to offer our, our training to skill them up, to training our upcoming shepherds. Then we had this other layer of going to train pastors in remote places. And then in Kinshasa, train young people who are passionate in the ministry, who are not part of our organization, 
But who are, they go to the mountains with people, they pray. You know, most of them young prophets. You know, those, those, young, those kids are amazing. You know, you can, you can, they can meet you. They've never met you from a bar or soap. And they can tell you your name, the name of your husband. They can give you the, your phone number. They've never met you before. Yeah, God using them in word of knowledge powerfully. And, uh, and they're all passionate. They're all out there preaching the gospel. And they just need to be trained and skilled. So that's the kind of stuff that has been really, you know, the passion. Melissa and I have been passionate in that space. So um, when, uh, now that you've, you've come home, yep. um, are there, were there other people? Because you're part of a leadership team. There's not just you. There's, there's a number of people in that, um, in that higher end of the leadership. Uh, are, are any of those people taking up some of that role and, and following up with some of the things you started there? Or are you thinking that you might be doing, well, I know you want to go back and forth a little bit. <laughs> um, however, we might not want you to be going there for another nine months in one stint. But, you know, you can go back and forth, obviously. Um, but I just wondered uh, whether or not, you know, um, you had put in place some other people that can do some follow up, um, and that you're you're sort of working in a in a team like that as you move forward. Well, um, very good question there. Uh, from the, our church point of view, because these things are, we did it in two set two separate set. Uh, there are things like opening English service that's part of our church planting organisation. Right. So at the parish day where I'm, I, I was I was settled. And, and uh, you know, being a senior pastor there, um, you know, I have a team of about nine pastors there. So as far as the church is concerned, everything that we set up, everything that we're running, it's got a huge team of people that are continuing to do the job. So okay. yep. we've set a huge, a, a, a fantastic structure, administrative structure there. And so they're carrying on. When I'm here, you know, like yesterday, uh, after my jet lagged, slipping, uh, I got up and then uh, I had phone calls with them. So from 4 p.m. onward, uh, I had phone calls with everybody to make sure that everything is in place. And right now, uh, you know, when they get up in the morning, by the time we have a service here, this first service there starts. So I have to keep my eye to see everything is running smoothly. That's no problem. So that's from the church. And you were doing that in reverse (laughs) when you were over there. When I was there, I was doing it in reverse from here. I I rang you a couple of times. You had to step outside the building and tell me how to troubleshoot on some of the things that weren't quite working. Exactly. That's right. Now, but the things that God had laid on our heart, Melissa and I, for example, the training and the skilling up, that is a a separate set. That's a ministry for us. Okay. So in that space there, I had only a team that traveled with me uh, that basically looked after all the, you know, sound and, and, and technical setup and all the live streaming and so on and so forth, and we did the job. So we have not, from that ministry standpoint, just because of resources, it required resources to be able to uh, to set that ministry side of things and have people who can. We've at least got uh, the director of our conference who's there. That's only the only appointment we have. Um, but we have not basically had a team, a ministerial team outside the church when we do our training and scaling up our pastors, because that's not done within the, you know, the confine of our church. Mm. Uh, it is done as a ministry. Melissa and I, we do it as a ministry to scale up. and Which is part of your ministry here in Australia too. Which is, yes, yep. which it is. And so in that sense, uh, that particular side, we have not set up a team uh, a broad team, to the, apart from my, you know, uh, you know, technical team that travel with me, 
uh, you know, they do the recording, they, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Uh, so we, we hope that when we get back, after we've sort of, you know, uh, rested and, and gathered means, when we get back there, we set a team to be able to. Yeah, well, you, that you, you, yeah, I mean, um, you wouldn't be able to do, you wouldn't have had time to be able to do that anyway to, no. to start off with, unless there was somebody already almost in that, that sort of in role space, and, and yeah. skilled in that area yep, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so yeah, yeah. uh, the church itself, you know, running the day to day matters of the parish that I was, you know, senior pastor at, um, uh, and and then looking after, because what we did is use we what we set up systems that would be replicated across all our sites. Mm. So I had not only to set the systems at the Kitambo Parish where we were. So Melissa and I we set that up. You know the flow of our finances work, how the you know, administrative st- 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 stuff work. So you set all that up, and then you oversee that it get replicated. Faithfully across sites, yeah, and we had about you know um, five sites that had to replicate that, and so uh, telling you, it just wasn't stopping. It was no, I, well, I know because I mean, <laughs> you you are up at all hours of the night and yeah. you are up at all hours of the day, and I don't know that you slept all that much either. <laughs> <laughs> so I can understand since you've been back, you've um, you've actually caught up on quite a bit of sleep. I am, um, and you're actually looking a lot brighter today. I can I, I tell you that. Thank you very yeah, that's much. Good. <laughs> you were looking a little bit like a zombie <laughs> when you came home. Anyway, um, we'll continue this conversation in a uh, in a few minutes. Ah, that's so true, isn't it? His grace is enough. You're on 105.1 Life FM, Bendigo's Positive Choice. And uh, just in our last part of this program for today, Samuel, tell us a little bit about the people. Um, What was your impression of the the people you met? I mean, obviously, you've been away for quite a long time. Yes. Um, You met up with your your family again, which was good, your parents and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, the the people that were in in that ministry that sent you from there to here or or to England and, you know, part of your backstory, which we've we've sort of covered a little bit before. We might do that another time. Yes. Uh, We won't go down that one just yet. But... um, you know, you've you've been away from the Congo for quite a while, yeah. learning and teaching and growing and yeah. planting and and doing that sort of stuff. So you've gone back to the church that um, sent you in the first yeah. place, yeah. Um, and that leadership group and those people that mentored you then. Yeah. Um, so you know, tell us about the the people. Yeah, um, it was it, it was fantastic, uh, especially when when I got back. Um, after all these many years, you know, the first, the core group that we started with, uh, who was still there, you know, those are, you know, brothers, brothers in arms, you know, we, we are, we were in the trenches together. Mm. Uh, so, uh, it was fantastic to see, uh, everyone. And also it was fantastic, uh, for my pastor, my mentor who actually mentored me in the ministry, the man who looked after me when I was, you know, from the streets, uh, picked me up and it was, you know, it was an extraordinary, you know, uh, get together. And, um, and so, you know, after having been away for, you know, 17 years or so, you know, our church organization there at grown. So I used to, you know, every time I went there, it's like two weeks, you know, I'll get there and mostly as it is, when you get to Congo, I will land, let's say if I land on Saturday, for sure on that Sunday I'm preaching. And then they start the program, I invited here and there. So I didn't really, I didn't, every time I went back, I didn't get the chance to sit down 
and do what I love to do, which is love the people, you know, give them hugs, you know, because I was in and out. But this time I was sitting there as a sitting senior pastor uh, at our Kitambo site. So, you know, I get to I got to meet people where, you know, who had come to the Lord while I was already gone. I was already in the West. I would not turn up. They were serving God and those who were. You know, so everybody was trying to figure out, figure me out to this, this, you know, our pastor who always is overseas and is, uh, has come back. And, uh, you know, it took the time to get to jail and find our steps and, you know, you know, you don't realize how much, uh, you know, you change over time because to them, you know, I was, I was no longer an African. You were very Aussie, were you? Yeah. To them, I was just this Aussie guy. And, 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 and it's in mannerism. Like when I'm here, of course I'm African compared to, you know, all the Aussies, no, some is Africans, African. But when I'm over there, I'm sort of like this creature that is in between. Uh-huh. So uh, <laughs> when I'm there, like, oh, yeah, he, he, he's like a white man. <laughs> Things are lost in translation. Well, it's funny because that, that happens in reverse here. There's a, sometimes you say stuff and you go, oh, okay, that's, he, that's him reinterpreting French and it's a little bit backwards, <laughs> but we sort of know what he means. So I can understand exactly what they so, sound like. Yeah, but I got the chance to, you know, sit there. You know, I'm always a touchy, you know, feely person. I give hugs, you know. And that was that was my my way of pastoring, and and so the word spread across there like, oh, our affectionate pastor is back. <laughs> so that's that's what they, people oh, say, our lovely. affection. <laughs> For me, it didn't, didn't matter whether that. it's you're a man, you're a woman, you're a young boy, young. I'm always hello, how are you going? You know, give them a bit of a big hug, yeah. and so creates tremendous bond. But very great people serving God with the littlest of means. That they have, but giving everything they have, are mm. uh, incredible. Like just incredible uh, to see the heart uh, of the people to serving God, and and just hearing the stories of miracles and testimonies of God, God's you know grace. You know, like uh, the song we just heard, "Grace is Enough." You know, if, if when you walk in, when you arrive in the Congo, you look at our standard of living here. And the way people are living there, of course, it's stark. It stands in your face like, wow, people are suffering. But then you watch them in the presence of God. You watch them dance and you watch them worship. You watch them on their knees. You watch these people with a tremendous passion for Christ. And then you hear the inner stories of how you know, they've sent their kids to school and God has paid for the fees or, you know, God miraculous has given somebody a job. Uh, you know, God miraculous has given somebody a business. And, 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 and it's just within all that, like the poverty you see, you hear stories of triumph and stories of, you know, God you know, healed somebody who had an incurable disease. That couldn't, we don't have a healthcare system there. Yeah. You know, when we were there, you know, Melissa got, got unwell uh, and we had to go to the hospital, uh, you know, around Christmas. It was quite you know, significant. And, and every time you show up, you have to pay your sizable amount of money. So if you mm. don't have uh, the money to pay, what are you going to do? And so people who couldn't afford that kind of, you know, uh, you know health care have no other alternative but to run to God. And that's the place where miracles happen. Yeah, I think you did see one photo I, I shared. This this man was stricken with uh, 
a skin disease that the doctors rec- reckon it was leprosy. He couldn't get out of his house. Uh, and it, it was terrifying uh, just looking at him. Um, and so when the news got to me that one of our you know, church members had this terrifying skin disease, I said, bring him here. Bring him to church. So they brought him to church on a Sunday morning. And so, and we, we got him to the front. I think he's, you know, some people might maybe see, I posted a photo. I didn't uh, take the photo. Uh, uh, yeah, we took the photo of him when we were praying for him. Like, w- even when I looked at him, I- I'm going to admit, my human self was terrified. Mm-hmm. Okay? It, his skin was peeling off. Like, literally peeling off. And it was his skin was basically... Uh, you know, breaking off. There was, you know, it's the skin was whipping. There was, it was just incredible. I, I, I don't even know how he, he got himself to put on a shirt. Okay. The pain on his face, his wife, she was terrified. She was in tears as we got to pray for him. And I called our leadership team and we got praying. Oh boy, I, I, I said to the old church, let's pray for this gentleman. And we got pray for him, Jimmy, his name. And the power of God, we prayed for about 15 minutes. And the place was vibrating with the power of God as we prayed. Mm-hmm. And we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we said amen. Literally, when, as we said amen, you could see peace on his face, but nothing had changed. So he went back home. And uh, a week later, I'm like, oh, how's Jimmy? We, we haven't heard. Oh, so then I go, oh, wow, yeah, oh, he's, he's fantastic. I'm like, we're Bring him back here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and next Sunday, Jimmy came back to church. And he was, his skin looked like a baby. The skin was brand new. Really? Fantastic. In two weeks, yep. the man had come back to church. His wife, a smile was all the way to there. <laughs> yeah. And she was smiling. She was happy. God had delivered this man from a skin, terrible skin disease. And, and those kind of stories, you know. That was quite incredible. You know, we, we prayed for a lady who uh, had terrible uh, you know, complications, uh, you know, to give birth. And, you know, it, it had become a case of either her or the child. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a younger sister uh, called us and she's like, oh, pastor, please. And I'm like, oh, look, don't be afraid. It's all good. And I said, stick her on the phone. We're going to pray. And I prayed. As soon as I'd finished praying, five minutes later, the kid came out like no issue. Like, think about it. They've been in a hospital for three days. Oh, wow. Yeah. The doctors were saying, well, no, this child, other child is going to be gone. Or we're going to, you know, we're going to save the mom. And I'm like, no, that ain't happening. Now, you, you can see the doctors, the hospitals are not as sophisticated as ours. You may say to me, well, but if they were here. I get that, but they are not here. No. And so we don't have all the equipment here to do it. That's when God intervenes. So it's, it's God intervenes when the human means. And what, the reason why when you're in Africa you see a lot of these miracles is because the limitations of uh, you know, where, where human beings can come to. And now here we have all the means, but I still know people who have gone to the doctors, have taken all the meds and everything, and nothing has turned up. Mm. And when people get to that point, now all it takes for them to go, God, please help. But here we go, ah, if the doctors can't do it, then it can't be done. And we sink into unbelief. That's what's not okay. Mm-hmm. And so, 
you know, I, I have stories of the stories of, of things like that. That has been quite tremendous. Well, I we've had a great time catching up with you this morning, yeah. uh, or this afternoon, I should say. And uh, and we might do a little bit of that um, in the coming weeks as we just as a little thing as part of what we do. Yeah, yeah. But just to remind, yeah, because there's there's the story of what we were Melissa and I were set up to do there to do offerings because there are all sorts of you know, often kids on the street. Yes, I want uh, to talk about that. Talk about that. Yes, yeah, we may no, talk we about can, that next time. We can do that. That would be really really terrific. Yeah. Um, so if anybody wants to uh, see this, this live that we've just done today, uh, the whole thing uh, will be on Samuel's Facebook page. So uh, you can join us each week as we uh, are in the studio between 12 and 1 and you'll be able to, uh, to watch Samuel live and he, can, he chats to everybody online in between. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, uh, thank you very much. It's good to have you home. Yes, uh, I'm happy and, to be back here, back home. Back home. And if uh, anyone has one of those curly questions, um, this is Q&A with Samuel, so we're very happy to take your curly question and uh, give it to Samuel and he will lay it out for us so that we can fully understand.